I'm Duncan McLeod, and uh, you are watching or listening to episode four of Everything PC. The podcast name says it all. My collaborator in this venture, Gerard Pretorius. Welcome, Gerard. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Cold. Yeah, it's a good. chilly weekend in Joburg, um, but yes. uh, we're going to be talking literally about hot things today, Intel processors. Um, and yes. uh, uh, episode two uh, uh, of our um, series on, or our, our two-parter on Intel, episode four of the podcast. If you've missed any of them today, do go check them out. We uh, did a double episode, our first two episodes on AMD, and our second two episodes are on Intel, two companies that are really joined at the hip, and uh, you know everything they do is kind of intertwined. Uh, but Intel, a fascinating company. Last week we uh, we had a look at uh, the history of Intel and where they've come from, all the way back to the 4004 processor from the early 1970s, uh, and how they really led the PC revolution through the 1980s and into the 1990s. Uh, how they how they tripped up a bit uh, in the last decade or so. Uh, and how they're trying to get back on course now, led by a person who we're going to be speaking a lot about in this podcast, I suspect, and that's Mr. Patrick Gelsinger, uh, who took over the reins at Intel, uh, when was it, Gerard? About a year ago now? Yeah, it's about a year and a bit ago now, already, that he, that he's been in charge. And he's, uh, he's making, cleaning, cleaning up. up, making some big decisions, making some big, spending some big money. Yes, <laughs> yes, no, well, basically, course correcting. Course correcting. They can control yeah. that rather mm-hmm. than then scootering it into a completely different direction yeah. and also way more in different areas as well where they're going and that's uh, that's what we're going to be unpacking in this episode we're going to be looking very yes. much in the last episode we looked at the history today we're going to look at the, at the present of intel and its future where it's going uh and uh, we're going to unpack there's lots to talk about so let's dive right in uh, it's difficult to know where to start on on these things and uh but i thought let's let's maybe chat about something new that intel is doing we know that it's done. Yes. Um, it's done on chip graphics before, um, but it's now doing discrete graphics. Uh, something called the Arc Graphics uh, uh, lineup. Which uh, are the first cards out yet, or are they still coming? Still, still coming. coming. So imminent though. M- many delays. <laughs> so okay. So let's actually start yeah. there as well. So Arc was started lo- end of last okay. year. So they were supposed to launch quarter one this year, which is. Basically, as is in already. So, as far as we know, we've seen images of the cards already. So, we know they exist. So, there is warehouse full of those cards there, but not in use. Right. So, basically, the to this point where in, Intel will probably launch these new GPUs closer to June, July that they'll launch. So the main four point there was, I think, the software that really got them in a bad position. Because, again, it's the first time they're making a big GPU where they need to compete with AMD and NVIDIA's already basically market dominance Mm. and then also their knowledge as well. They've been doing drivers now for, you're looking about like at least 30, 40 years that they've been doing, not 40 years, but... I would say it's about like 20 years now that you say more gaming drivers mm. that they've been mm. doing. So now Intel has to it's very brave basically catch up. It's very brave those. of them to get into a market that's dominated by two strong players, NVIDIA and AMD. Why, why well, do this? Well, that's now where we're going to go now with this. Why did Intel now say we're going to make the screen mm. graphics? So the first and obvious one is AMD. Okay. So 
AMD has APUs and they have laptop chips and OEM market. So Intel's already has a part in it and Intel ships, funny enough, most of the GPUs, they're the biggest company that ships GPUs because uh, every Intel chip that you buy on desktop and laptop has an Intel discrete graphics in it. But they're terrible. Right. But that's the problem. So Intel has to work on it. Now, especially now that AMD is more getting so aggressive, the advantage is they have good GPUs already. CPUs, they're now pretty much on par with Intel now. So Intel now as a deficit with, as soon as Intel launches something, if AMD beats them or matches them a CPU, they will beat them in graphics, which basically puts them in a backwards mm. position. So they have to catch that up. So there's that push coming. The second push comes from, again, now AMD from being now for the big boys where you go data centers and so forth, where they, you're seeing a greater move to GPUs for data center usage. So now, now you need to make platforms where you've got CPUs, GPUs on the same like designs where we've seen some of these elaborate designs where they've only really shown you like a graphics of, oh, here's one CPU and then four GPUs next to it and they'll interconnect with one. I think nothing yet designed and so forth, but that is where stuff will lead to. So you need to now focus on making high-end GPUs. We've already seen Raja, uh, Raja uh, what's his name now? Raja Kaduri. He actually is not really Ponte Vecchio where it's like massive GPU that they have and then they'll later on have more of them stacked where they can connect directly to the CPU. Mm -hmm. Not even what we would call now through PCI, but actually through their own like infinity fabric type of thing where they'll connect straight to the CPU mm -hmm. for lower latency and higher bandwidth and more data throughput and so forth. So now there you need to start also now upping your game with GPUs because that is a very lucrative market. Hence, that's the other market now, NVIDIA. NVIDIA has made a massive niche for themselves with GPUs, with AI acceleration and GPU acceleration mm -hmm. and so forth. So I think we got to a point as well, Intel looked at this whole thing where it's like, probably like three years ago, it's like, yo, wow, and NVIDIA is making like stupid amount of money out of GPUs. Why aren't we in that business? Why didn't we capitalize it? Why weren't we those guys that made that yeah. money? And you just have to look and at- now they have to- You just have to look at NVIDIA's um, market value compared to Intel's. I think they're worth about two and a half times as much. Uh, so here, here's the big daddy of the chipzilla of the of Silicon Valley, uh, whose market value is sitting at about 30 or 40% of the guys down the road who are making the GPUs. So I guess there's a bit of envy there as well. But I mean, why 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 yeah. is Nvidia so successful in the in the data center? What is it about its GPU technology that's translated so well into data centers? Mainly because it's support, and mainly they were the main the only real guys that actually pushed it hardcore. Yeah. AMD had massive financial problems leading up to that, so AMD didn't have the money to compete. Intel, on the other hand, also just didn't feel like it because, again, most of the market is still CPU-driven. Mm -hmm. GPUs is still a very smaller market. Again, it's a very profitable market, but it weren't 10 years ago even. GPUs in the data center wasn't that mm -hmm. prevalent. CPUs were still, and even today, pretty much most of the stuff you do is all majorly done on CPUs right. or data centers and all that type of jazz and Google and Amazon and all those things. 
it's all done on CPUs. It's not done on GPUs. But GPUs then, once you saw the advantages of hyper-parallelization with AI acceleration and certain workflows like for chemical, for gas, those type of guys that need very highly accurate stuff that has massive data sets to go through and crunch, brute force, just number crunching. Mm -hmm. And then also that led to NVIDIA hitting a a perfect one ace in the hole, basically, with CUDA, mm -hmm. making it easy for these companies to get their software to work with the hardware. So then there was the actual main accelerator for NVIDIA was the advent of making it easy for guys to actually utilize the hardware properly. Mm -hmm. And that's where you'll see now, when we get to a future episode with NVIDIA, we can then talk about their new Hoppo stuff and all the massive GPUs and so forth that they'll bring out to accelerate those workloads. So it was, in my opinion, if I was Intel way back when, I would have also said, we need to focus on GPU hardcore. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, they just went, no, it costs too much money. We're already making stupid money from the current guys. What's the incentive? So what's what's the bigger like, what's the bigger play here? Do you think, Gerard? Do you think it's uh, uh, do you think this is Intel protecting its uh, its dominance in the server um, data center environment, or do you yes. think it's against against? Uh, okay. Funny enough, it's it's not. The problem is they now playing a game of we will stop be in the future yeah. because in the future we're talking massive integration. Yes. I thought it was like we're going to see later on stages where you're going to have massive massive motherboards with like two or th two CPUs on it. And then those CPUs will be literally surrounded by GPUs. Mm -hmm. Because again, once you have proper software that can paralyze everything, you can just use the GPU because GPUs are really good at paralyzation. Yep. That's what they, that's what they designed yep. to do is to paralyze everything. So workloads that are highly lucrative to that is will just fly through mm -hmm. the roof. And that's the future is hyperparalyzation of majority of workloads that we yeah. do. Even like when we talk about Amazon and Microsoft and so forth, when you do web browse and so forth, we've got already, um, you, that's why most of them are buying AMD CPUs at the moment is you've got so many cores. Mm. You've got 64 cores on an AMD chip and one of those CPUs can do so many transactions or so many calls at the same time so that because every time you go and add something on the cart and buy something from amazon overseas and so forth that you need a cpu to actually follow all of those things and then that needs to then do the transaction and check stock stock needs to pull and then all the backend systems need to be in place to do all of that so that's where gpus are and that's why you'll see a folk yep. main focus for Nvidia for for intel now at the moment is catching up to AMD to make sure that when we get to that future where hyper data processing happens, they're there and they're not falling right. behind. Because again, it's it's a bit of a st stupid race because it's only Intel and AMD that can mm -hmm. do this. NVIDIA can be there, but the problem is that they don't have a CPU. Yeah. So again, we'll see we'll see what, what plans they have to try and mitigate that. But I think even at the moment... That's why they were trying to buy ARM. Even at the moment... Well... Yes, we'll we'll get to that when we get to the episode. But even now with Nvidia's yeah. stack, if you buy like a, a server rack, it comes with two AMD Epic chips. Okay. In it. okay. That they do not have the whole ecosystem that they control. Right. So W, that's the only main problem with where we now go. Mm. So 
as we now transition to server and so forth, that is the big focus still now yeah. is CPUs pretty much brute force in terms of massive core counts, massive cores. And there you go. There is some play you can do there that Intel has done, which we'll talk about a bit. But the big factor is still server is still the dominant yep. factor. And that's where most of the money sits. And isn't so. what's interesting, if you look back at the history, because Pat Gelsinger was the guy who was responsible for really building Intel's uh, presence and strength in the server chip market before he came along and worked on, I think it was the Xeon project that really built them, built their presence in, in, in yes. servers. No, it's um, before that, they were actually quite weak in that space. In fact, uh, one of the videos you shared with me ahead of this podcast um, point, made the point that right, right through the 1990s, the, the, the company that really, really dominated in servers was Sun Microsystems, uh, and Intel only came along yes. later. Now it's well again. It's we've got IBM as well with their actual deep blue systems and all that sure. jazz that still have a very hyper niche. Yeah. But Intel kind of made that easier for most people to get into because in the olden days you had to get your mainframes built, custom built for you. Yeah. So you had a mainframe and it had to be like that. So the, a lot of the banking institutions and so forth that are very, very specific in a transaction or a certain thing needs to happen at this time at this specific latency that type of stuff is very still ibm's thing intel amd has stuff that's similar to that but not nearly as good as and also probably probably as good but the promise is probably not as well certified mm -hmm. and well tested as a ibm's solution mm -hmm. so you'll still get these edge cases but most of the guys where you, most of your profit sits is if you scale, hyperscale up with your like making quantities because IBM doesn't really re rely on quantities. They have a set amount of customers and that's it. They make money from them and you can kind of say milking because it's selling just better machines of what they're currently doing. Mm. They're not really, they're, they're pioneering and revolutioning in their own field. But that's it. Mm -hmm. that, that innovation doesn't really, really bleeds out into the consumer market or our markets. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very pinpointed view where you, they pioneer that area and that area alone. And that's it. And the only people that benefit is them. Anyway, so, 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 so Intel is, is I mean, it's trying to solve a problem for itself here. Um, but yes, but it's, it's, no. good that, so, it's good that there's competition coming in the graphics market as well, because we've seen how expensive, yes. uh, uh, and we know these companies that will, will rest on their laurels if they can do so. So more competition in the space is good. But should gamers be considering buying an Intel Arc's graf Arc graphics card in this Gen 1 phase, or is it going to be too buggy? No. Maybe if you want to be a beta tester, yes. <laughs> but... Stay if away. If you're a normal person and you want something to work, no. <laughs> there is some, I would presume some of the creators might benefit quite a lot okay. with these new NVIDIA chips, okay. that Intel chips are coming out. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the areas where Intel might pioneer a bit more that people don't expect, I think. Right. Is a, a lot of the Adobe guys and video editing guys and that type of guys mm. still have a good relationship with Intel. So Intel can make a lot of like hardware dedicated encoders for them. Right. And we've seen it with Intel QuickSync and other implementations that they have, which are pretty good. Like, and it works flawlessly. Yeah. We've seen some of the Adobe AI stuff that they used Intel chips with and so forth. Freaking amazing. It's way quicker. Mm. So I think that's the funny joke of the whole thing where 
if Intel does come into the market hardcore, it's more against NVIDIA than AMD because AMD is still now predominantly gaming. Right. That's their market. You, I would assume that will evolve as we go now, now that AMD has the capital and they can invest in it and get better software developers and all that type of jazz. That will improve. Mm. But the only person you to lose is NVIDIA because they already own that whole if you were a creator, you have, that's why even like you see laptops that create laptops from NVIDIA and so forth. NVIDIA has that niche well deservingly because they worked at their asses off to do that and get the software right and all that jazz. But they're the only ones that are a big risk of Intel getting in than AMD actually. I actually thought uh, Apple was the, the big threat risk in or big threat in that market because with these new M1 chips and it's, GPUs they're doing, I mean, this yes, they seem to be directly targeting that. That create a market with ProRes and all this sort of yes. stuff. Yes, but it's for Apple consumers. You see, again, it's a very, you cannot win over Apple consumer. Apple consumer will always buy Apple. So that you can say due to Intel. But you don't think PC guys are going to move to Apple? Not that much. No? I've, I've had this debate many times with people buying machines from us and so forth yeah. with with that buy and come and say, oh, I've got an Apple thing. It's like, if you're an Apple person, mm. buy Apple. Mm -hmm. You can buy a PC, but most of my Apple people, that's hardcore Apple people, will always eventually sell off their machine again, right. their PC machine, because right. they are wholeheartedly embedded into the Apple ecosystem. It's religion. The problem, <laughs> it's it's religion, but the promise is also they're more proficient with it. Of course. So at the end of the day, for any creator that comes to me and say, build me a machine and so forth, I normally make sure to them, it's like, are you 100% sure this is the right move for you? Mm. Because it's no, it's, if you could move from one platform to another platform, you're going to end up spending more time learning the new platform and all that jazz. Yeah. So the same is with the GPUs, is you're going to now learn how to use it. I've had guys also, oh, I'm going to use my NVIDIA card or going to buy an AMD card and use the AMD card with Adobe software and it uh, kind of sucks. So that's the main problem there is it depends there. I would say it's a different... We can get to that with the Apple thing. We can talk about Apple and their niches with their customers and how they have it. But for Intel at the moment, their first focus is get these GPUs out, mm. get the beta testers out so that people buy their stuff and test their GPUs, see where it breaks because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to break. Like DirectX 9, I don't think that's going to work that well. Again, they need to make that work with DirectX even 8. Good grief. So and that's been you have to now kind of like an... Let's go learn how to program that guys made software in back in the like in early 1990s. <laughs> so it's like these new guys that come and work for you, they probably were babies and they didn't even probably exist when that shit comes up. Yeah. That, that's now the problem with Intel has. Now they have to have all that legacy support built in as well, unless they're just going to leave it, which is also an option where they just say, if anything before DirectX 9, well, it might, might work. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how it actually launches when they launch. But then their main focus is, again, with those GPUs, is the OEM market. Mm -hmm. The OEM market, Intel, again, saw the money that NVIDIA made from the OEM market with laptop chips, and Intel wants some of that money. Mm -hmm. And again, AMD is the threat there again, because AMD can now go to all of these companies, Asus, HP, Dell, Lenovo, yeah. and say, we have a gaming solution here. Here's our chip. Here's the GPU. We'll give you $20 off if you buy us a kit. Right. 
So, so this is not. And Nvidia can't compete with that. This is not going to be aimed at, at high end gamers. But what about casual gamers? People who want to just play a game on their PC from time to time, but they they the, the and they need discrete graphics because you know gaming is advancing and they people like to see yes. the eye candy now, and stuff. I I see that the problem is that the the casual gamers are going to have a bit of a problem with the software not being done yet. Right. Because a lot of the casual games are old. They, it's League of Legends. Dota, all of those stuff. Mm. You're looking about most of them are DirectX nine titles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's not going to work from from what I can understand and from what I can kind of predict. Now again, I don't have the GPU to test and so forth, yeah. but you you can see from previous from Nvidia's uh, from Intel's current iGPUs and so forth, their weakness has always been the old APIs. Mm-hmm. So DirectX eleven and ten, they actually not too bad. Mm-hmm. You can actually play competently with it for what it is but as soon as it's DirectX 9 and so forth and before it just it just completely so it's a compatibility issue with older software it's not the latest games may actually play better is what you're saying yes now so if you're doing DirectX 12 I think it will be better with DirectX 12 it will also be hit and miss with the game because Mm -hmm. it depends on how the game is coded and how reliant is it on this and that and all that type of jazz so there's a lot of stuff that they'll have to re-engineer and figure out themselves because some of the stuff they can't just copy Intel, yeah. uh, copy AMD and NVIDIA because they'll just get sued. <laughs> so you'll have to literally like, okay, we know how they do it. Yeah. We kind of see how they do it. We just need to do it in a way that we can't get sued. Mm. So how long is it going to take Intel to get there? I mean, are they, are they going to be a, a real competitor to NVIDIA and AMD at some point? I would say it probably it's probably going to prove considerably with the next generation so when we get to battle mage so that will inc- battle I say mage. probably solve a lot of the issues yeah and then i think probably normally top people is going to be about in the third or fourth range when they lo- launch those cards i think then then we'll see them again it, the advantage with that is time has also then moved on so most of the games that are reliant on the older apis would be pushed out mm. and all that jazz so you that advantage of software is evolving now with you yeah so then it's easier to basically compete and catch up and then there you go yeah so yeah that that's the main focus so i think next year i think it will improve considerably and the year after that then i can say sweet now we can look then i would say that's the big threat that both amd and nvidia need to look at is because what is their long-term plans and they have aggressive plans Mm -hmm. it's not as if they're going to sit here and they're actually trying to compete with AMD and Nvidia, and not sitting here. They've got good guys. They've hired a lot of guys from. They've hired guys from AMD. They've hired guys from Nvidia themselves, even. So they have good guys. They're working for them. So they are. It's purely a money problem and having the right people in the right places. And as far as I can see, they are getting to a point where they do have the right people in the right places. Is Intel making? Now it's just time. Is Intel making these Arc chips themselves, or are they? Um, yes. I'd heard a rumor that they were it's, actually going to be manufactured by TSMC. Yes. So now, okay, yeah, there's a mix. So the okay. discrete cards are going to be manufactured by someone else. So TSMC. The, because there's going to, yeah. So TSMC will make majority of those cards. Purely because Intel doesn't have the capacity to make them, even if they wanted to. Amazing. They are so busy making laptop, normal laptop chips and CPUs and so forth. I don't think they have the space for it. The other advantage is they're going with 6 nanometer, which is very cheap right. and easy to mass produce. It's that's probably the sore point as well. 
one would say it's probably cheaper for them to use someone else than themselves. Yeah. It's just probably going to be a hard one to admit, but that's all I, I assume is also playing to that as well. Mm-hmm. It's because it's cheaper. It would be easier to work with them because it's easier to implement and mass produce it by someone else than use it internally because the internal structure has a lot of restructuring that needs to happen. I think mm-hmm. from what I can, from how I can read the room and how they chat, I think there's a lot of internal conflict still with the manufacturing side of Intel that they need to get rid of people that are in their way because yep. they're either being traditional or old fashioned. So when, when are we going to see these graphics cards? I mean, I'm quite keen to play one, even if it is crap, just to see what it looks like. Yes, uh, uh, you're looking, yeah, I would say probably quarter three. Okay. That's probably well. So almost around the same I time that NVIDIA is going to roll out the 4000 series and AMD is going to roll out its uh, next series uh, as well. Uh, yes, that, that was a bit of a problem. So <laughs> that, that, that's a bit of a, like, might, uh, again, they might be cheap. Because I doubt NVIDIA and AMD are going to launch their cheapest cards yeah. end of this year. Yeah. So yeah. NVIDIA might come in here and say, hey, we've got cheap cards. Might not work great, but mm-hmm. at least it's cheap. Yes, mm-hmm. which is something in this market, so, uh, <laughs> looking at how exactly. GPU pricing is. at gone. least a cheap card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Although I'm so happy to so see now, GPU prices coming down. Even this week, I've noticed the prices have dropped another yes. 10, 20%. No, 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 GPUs have no... Yeah. Um, I, I've told, as I told other customers that came into our store, so far, you know what? I can actually sell you 3070s and 3080 for the same price we sold it to when we launched them <laughs> a year and a half ago. Progress. <laughs> well, of a you can't really say progress. It's, we are we are back to where we started. Yeah. <laughs> we are now back at the starting point. Yeah. We can have, we can get the gun out and say poof, we can start again. And we're starting just in time for the new ones to come out. So I'm like, yeah. well, we're gonna run around and just hit the wall again. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's switch tack a little bit. Let's let's stay in the server yeah. space and just talk about how Intel's doing there. Um, obviously, their big uh, their big CPU in, in servers is Xeon, the Xeon line. What's the roadmap looking yeah. like for Xeon? Where are we going with that? How's Intel well, doing? Um, at the moment, um, they're doing something, but um, nobody really cares. Really, that's basically the honest opinion for most people. Okay. So it's like we don't really care at the moment. AMD is the the hot man. Right. Everybody wants their stuff now. Okay. And that's why AMD's been pumping out epic chips like, uh, I, I don't know, you basically, they're pumping out like AMD's pumping out AMD epic chips. That's basically how you can relate because AMD, right. even if you look at their financials, they've made a stupid amount of chips, like on so many that they've, <laughs> they've actually nerfed some of the consumer manufacturing to make more server chips. Right. Again, smart move because the profit margins are way higher, but... Unfortunately, Intel's, it's been very disappointing, actually, with Intel, where Intel has a roadmap. So let's let's take it for what they have available now, because most of the stuff that's coming is only really coming end of this year. So at the moment, the best Intel chip you can buy is like a 40, I think it's like a 40 core CPU from Intel for now at the moment that you can buy. And yeah, very hot, very power hungry. Doesn't have a lot of PCI Express 4 lanes. Um, I.O. is very limiting. And the performance is terrible. Right. Compared to AMD. 
Well, like, well, let, let's talk about what they're doing here. I mean, we've got the, the Xeon processor roadmap on the screen here. Um, we've got uh, Sierra Forest coming next year. Uh, There's a big focus on efficiency cores. Um, is this all catching up to AMD? Uh, how important is this? I mean, obviously, data center well, operators are trying to reduce their electricity bills. Is this going to help them do that? Uh, is there going to be demand for these chips? Yes. So uh, what we're going to start seeing when we get into the server market is you'll see a breakpoint happen where we're going to have CPUs that are focused at high performance and CPUs that are focused at what I would now cl class as clustered core architectures. So it's specifically like this has been actually a main focus of ARM chips now. But you see a lot of these data centers that have ARM chips that are like 32 and 64 cores on them. And some of them are pushing like 100 and something cores on uh, ARM architecture. So for right. specifically just because they're doing very simple transaction type of things. It's You don't need anything complex and high-end to do that. So you'd rather have something that's very power efficient at doing it. So now I think AMD and Intel's are actually going into that market as well with their own architecture and designs and so forth. But now the main focus is now basically SAPA references their first, I would say, proper trying to compete against AMD. I think they'll probably lose majority of the battle still, but mm -hmm. there will be some niches where Sapphire Rapids will still be sold to certain clientele that will benefit from a having a massive die. Because, again, it's massively complicated. So Intel's running into a massive problem where the, to manufacture the Intel chip is probably going to cost them four times as much as what it costs AMD to make an Epic, Epic chip. Wow. Which is... Because, again, it is horrendously difficult because you have now have... Four dies that you now have on a uh, your your substrate, and then you've got your IO die. Actual, um, what is it now called again? So basically, on the substrate, they have to now have to tile those four GPU, uh, four CPU clusters together, mm -hmm. and then they have to link all of those four together. So the manufacturing from that is stupendously complex. Mm -hmm. So it's like that's one of my areas where I'm like. I don't think Intel has had enough iteration to make that cheap. They're trying to leap too quickly from one thing to a whole new innovating way. It's a whole new connection type, whole new CPU architecture, a whole new interconnect design. So it's very difficult to do that as a company when you make all those facets massively different. Which you can actually see with AMD. How even if you look at AMD's history and so forth, even with survey. Everything is based off iteration and improving iteration and then taking one facet, improving that majority, and then mass producing, selling it, and then slowly but surely improving everything so that you don't get to a point where you need to make a chip and it's fundamentally new because then it's easier to make mock-up, mm. mock-ups and faults and so forth. And we've seen that because Sapphire Pilots was supposed to launch, I think, last year. It's still delayed. Mm -hmm. I see this article says it will be coming in Q1 2022, but it's still not out, is it? It's still not out. That's the problem. Yeah. So Intel, again, as far as I know, Sapphire Rappers was meant to launch last year, beginning. It's almost delayed by two years now. That's my problem with Intel. And it's because they're trying to do too many new things at the same time. And they weren't pioneers in any of those fields, in my personal opinion. Is this AMD is, pioneer chiplets? Is this all uh, to do with the previous management team, or is uh, some of oh, this yes. on Pat Gelsinger's no, head? No, no, this, this is now. This is 
poor Pat being thrown over the freaking fence yet because <laughs> you now need to fix all of the previous people's ignorant and ignorous problems that they have. Right. Because a lot of them just ignore problems and so, now so how does he fix it? it? How does he fix this? Well, basically we're doing what he's doing now. I would say Intel has a especially Pat has a big battle to do, especially now with normal surveys to get this fixed. I think they my honest opinion, there's no way to fix this. They have to out innovate themselves out of this now. They have to literally go bear with what they have now, make it work, and then wait until we get to our whole new designs, which are coming. But I think that's only in 2025 and six that those are coming. Is this the Sierra Forest designs you're talking about or something further into the future? Yeah, it's evolved from those. Sierra Forest is the e-core version that they do okay. the cluster core okay. architecture. Okay. But it's basically, I would say in that same uh, same time period, I think Intel will, and you'll see that with desktop as well, Yeah. that, that Intel is going to make massive changes in terms of how the core even set mm. because at the moment even if we're now going to Sapphire Rapids that's a 56 core AMD is launching their Genova I don't know if you want to show the leak or stuff honkers of a chip from AMD yeah. there yeah. the thing has 12 channel memory it's 96 cores of Zen 4 cores that will be on there I think there's no way in hell that Intel can even come close to that chip, even with Sapphire Rapids. Right. Is this it's, is this is this the is this what we're talking about here? Epic Genoa um, CPU? Yes, you can scroll a bit down and so forth, I think. Just check and see. I think it is yeah. Scroll a bit further down and so forth. I don't know if they've got the photo there of the actual the actual die. Yes, you can see how colossal that, that is. is. So massive. That will have now <laughs> that is now running basically it's now going to be now 12 yeah it's going to be 12 AMD 8 core triplets that's there wow that's massive so it's 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 massive and the IO is also going to be massive it's 12 channels yeah you can run you can run what oh we'll see with DDR5 but I presume we'll probably see sections going up easily to 4 terabytes worth of memory on it good grief it's we're getting to a point where the memory uses more power than the CPU. <laughs> That's amazing. Because one one DIMM is already taking 1.1 volt, and now you've got 24 of them. <laughs> incredible, incredible. So he, 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 so heading into mainframe territory, actually. That, that, that sort of oh, no, this is, this, this is past mainframe stack. This is now, like, I think even most high-end people are looking at this and saying, this is just stupid. <laughs> because it's like, as we go back to now with, with now AMD bringing out Vcash that they launched quite frequently. I know, um, what's his name again now? Um, the chap whose name you couldn't remember uh, earlier as level well. Level 1 Techs. Yeah, Level 1 Techs. He did a massively good video oh, okay. on on actual the AMD chip and how now with Vcash we actually have more L3 cache memory on the actual chips. Right. You can get to a point where now you have... You can scale something, mm -hmm. and you get more than a hundred percent performance. I think this is the website you wanted up a bit earlier. Um, ah, so yeah, yeah, there you can see it. So that's that's that one only now has twelve channels, but I think there's another socket that they're not showing you next to it. So each socket now can have twelve channels, 
there is a proper picture for someone that's just memory bound. So you'll see 12 on one side, 12 on the other side. And then you'll see there's the actual CPU. I, I don't I don't really give you a proper picture because you'll see it's actually top right, top left there and top right, you'll see some of the memory VRMs and so forth. And then you'll see there's a SOC voltage, there's a CPU voltage at the top and at the bottom of it. And then there's VDIO, so that's IO power and so forth. So these are massively complex chips that I'm making. And again, these things are going to be stupid fast. I think the server dudes and data guys and guys that do high end data crunching and mm. fluid dynamics and air dynamics type of stuff and so forth, they are going to have amazing performance increases with these chips. Will this work in the workstation market as well? Um, we'll see. I presume, yeah. though, again, that's Threadripper. So we'll probably see, I don't think this year, but we'll probably see maybe end of next year, they might bring Genoa to Threadripper. Again, that will depend on what they're planning for desktop in terms of AM4 socket and how they're going to change the uh, AM5 socket mm. and see how they're going to evolve there. But I would not be surprised if AMD brings out a journal thread ripper socket and say, yeah, sweet. Mm -hmm. Use these systems in now Disney and all these guys can have customable PCs that they can have on site with these things on there. Because I know a lot of the things that with Lenovo sold a lot of them as well. Like sold so many that they sold out mm. with thread ripper machines that they do pro semi-professional and so forth instead of having it as server sockets. So there's a big market for that where I think bigger than expected for mm -hmm. most of these guys. And the advantage with that is you don't have to refresh it that often. Even now with Thread, but there's only now, I think it's only been launched like a month and a bit ago, AMD Thread, the newer Threadripper with AMD, uh, with Zen, the, the newer version that now takes, I think it's now eight channel, no? Yeah, it is eight channel memory and so forth as well now with the new socket and so forth, with Zen 4 and all that jazz in there. So, it, it Threadripper allows you to scale out a bit more and you don't have to refresh every year. You can do that every two years mm -hmm. and then you can go. Because, again, AMD has advantage. What do they compete against? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. When last did you see an X99 platform, like X299 from Intel? They've not had anything for many years now. So I'm a bit disappointed with Intel. I have a feeling that they'll have something in the next two years to compete again in that market. But at the moment, uh, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> well, let's 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 talk so, about let's talk about the consumer space because uh, there's a lot happening there as well. Uh, consumer PCs. Um, we, we mentioned in the last podcast that there hasn't been a lot of innovation from Intel in processor designs for a long time. Uh, Five to ten percent performance improvement generation on generation, if you're lucky. Um, and I, I think I said mentioned last week, Herat, that um, you know I, I, I don't. I, it actually reached a point that I didn't really care what core version or generation I had in my PC. It was uh, you know if it was core six or core seven or core eight, I, you know who cares? But it's starting to change. Uh, the market is getting more competitive again. AMD, as you've said before, is driving a lot of that. Intel is. Uh, is uh, is gearing up for a much more competitive future in uh, desktop class CPUs. Um, the twelfth generation, of course, is out, um, but uh, they've thrown a lot of power at it, right, to resolve um, some competitive challenges that they've had relative to AMD. Yes, it's now an interesting battle here because you've got 
12th gen has come out with your now 8p cores and then there's now 8e cores with the top i9 spec so intel's 12th gen is again you can see pat just like getting the engineers knowing we know we have a problem how can we still be competitive knowing our issues mm. and this is what we got because again this was all designed under the previous administration this is not pat pat didn't have enough time to make 12th gen his first core processor that he'll be responsible for is the 14th gen right yeah because these things are designed well, years in advance yeah yeah oh yeah no, you're looking yeah. at at least five years in advance yeah. before it gets to existence so that's what the bill's like you're looking at 14th gen, 15th gen, there about, then you'll start seeing his actual influence in these things. Yeah, yeah. Because, and again, I kind of feel for the guy, you kind of have to make something that you can sell. And this is also my concerning point where, with 12th gen now, you still have a lot of issues with teething. Where, I've now built a lot of machines with 12th gen, because it is, the CPUs are well-priced. They right. are giving time. Okay. But the motherboards are not that well-priced. DDR5 is stupendously expensive. It's getting better now, but it's you're looking at least easily at 50 to 100% more than DDR4. It's, it's mm. kind of stupid, actually, mm. where you pay. You can buy a 16-gig stick for DDR4 for like 2500 bucks, and then to buy a 16-gig from DDR5, you're talking about four grand, five grand. Sure. And is, like, is it a new socket? So does this 12th generation use a new socket? Yes. Okay. Yes, now. So we've got new socket, new everything, because again, now now you've got e-cores that you've got, you need to have more pins yeah. because there's more stuff that need communication. Yeah. So the socket had to change. That now leads to new coolers, which is, you can see AMD's advantage here when they designed AM4. They kind of like knew, okay, we need to predict where this is going. So that's why with AM4 and AM5, the socket stays the same in terms of cooler compatibility. Right. The socket is still changing in terms of like how the pins connect, but your cooling requirements is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for the coolers where they can go, okay, sweet, we know exactly the physical size, it's still the same, the mounting mechanism is still the same, the holes where they're positioned is the same. Right. Because AMD is pretty much already predicted where they're going, mm. which is good and smart. Mm -hmm. So. Intel, so, at least at some point, Intel had to change because the size for the socket was just too small. So Eventually, so they had to go bigger. So let's have a look at this, this graph here from this website, techpowerup.com. Um, what are we looking at here? I mean, this, uh, just looking at this as a layman, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing core processes chowing a large amount yeah, of electricity. So, Is that what I'm yeah, reading? So here? basically, so the for these four, four, first four graphs, it's basically the lower the better. So you literally look at, you can see AMD is pretty much at the top the whole time. So as soon as you do anything high in task, mm. the, in, the amount of power Intel needs to use to do a job yeah. is way more than the AMD. So yes, it is faster, but the amount of power it consumes to do that is a lot more than what AMD does. So just walk so me through these processes. I know that Core i9 12900K, uh, which shoots 56 watts when idle, uh, which is fairly comparable to the Ryzen processors, actually. But then you go into these other chips, the Core i7-11700, that's an 11th gen processor. But the 12900K, yes. what is the difference between the, the K, the KS, and the KS? That's oh, okay. an so, overseas, so the, overclocked uh, the, the chip. The KS is just the super variant. So that's the like the special edition that's even more tuned and can overclock even more. Oh, I see. So okay. if you just take the normal K version, even there, when you look at those graphs, yeah. 
that, yes, NVIDIA Intel is quicker. The problem is now how much quicker is it? Mm -hmm. And that's my problem with, because even that chip at 4.2 gigahertz, 5.2 gigahertz, it's consuming 144 144 watts at a single thread. Mm. So we're not even doing multitasking. Mm. So once we go down and we do power consumption in terms of a stress test where you're now pushing the chip to its limit, even if you look at the 12900K, the normal version, 350 watt. Yeah, that's a lot of electricity. AMD 16 core is sitting at just under 200 watts. Mm. So AMD has 16 P cores going up against 8 E cores and 8 P cores. So AMD's 16 P cores are more efficient than the whole processor. Yeah. So... Intel is is Intel winning this process around by destroying the planet, in short. Yes, <laughs> they are doing the traditional thing of putting foot down if you're too slow and can't keep up. Mm-hmm. You just give it more juice, and we will make it win. Mm-hmm. And then if you go down there, if you scroll down and so forth, the yep. thing that really puts the head and the nail there, if you're looking at energy usage, multi-threaded, and they actually give you per kilojoule that it uses, you can see the AMD sitting at. 6.4 kilojoules used and then you look all the way up there Intel needs almost double the amount of power if you're going to KS if you're just looking at the K yeah, uh, the K is 10 so it's almost 4 kilo, kilojoules more yeah. per transaction that's, to do something that's pretty shocking that, 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 that's something that, you, that, that has to change I mean, no, that, my, you, my, this my is not a long term winning what, strategy what, what is more concerning is this is Intel fighting a two-year-old chip. Mm. <laughs> it's not even a new chip. Mm. You are fighting a chip that has an AMD 12 nanometer, 12 nanometer IO die that's not very really power efficient at all, and two eight-core chiplets. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, this is not good. And those and chiplets are manufactured at seven nanometer, are they, or lower? Yeah. Seven. Okay. So again, Intel has an advantage because theirs is on their own version of 10 nanometer, which they've renamed seven, seven nanometer. <laughs> but even with AMD having a deficit of the IO die, yeah. so the thing that does all your IO, the PCI Express and all that jazz, because again, it's on 12 nanometer. Yeah. Not on seven, not on six, on 12 nanometer made by global foundries. That thing is not power efficient at all. That thing sucks. Mm-hmm. That's coming from me. Mm-hmm. Even I can criticize AMD and say, the IO die is pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Again, they didn't have a choice. It's one of those things where they had to do that for other reasons. But then, even then, you can like, even with that disaffect from AMD, they can still beat Intel. Does this change? Again, does this change? Sorry, Gerard, uh, to interrupt there, mm-hmm. but does this change with 13th generation or does the problem continue? I don't continue? think so. It's it again. Thirteenth generation is just the iteration of twelfth gen, mm. so they can only make it a bit more power efficient. And then what we see now, what they're doing is they're just adding more e cores. Right. So you're going to have now sixteen e cores and eight p cores. I'm like, well, okay, you're just brute forcing the fix now, mm-hmm. because if AMD makes their cores, for arguments like twenty five or thirty percent faster, the only way Intel can beat in multitask, multi threaded applications is just have more e cores. Mm. So this is already pinpointing to me that Intel has a massive problem with the performance costs. So the actual core architecture, there is a problem there. 
Do we know? Uh, do we know anything about the fourteenth generation Intel processors at the stage? The ones that no. Pat Gelsinger no, is going to. I think they 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 they're playing the cards very tight to right. the chest. Right. I don't think I have tried to check the rumor mills, and I can't get anything concrete there. But from what I know, it is a drastic change. Okay. Like and this, w- which this is all, what they need. The way, yeah. No, they, 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 this is all going to get thrown out. Like literally, twelve and thirteenth gen is just a stop gate. It, yeah. Literally, the boat is full of holes, and we're just using it, plugs and plugging it. We're not fixing the ship. We're just plugging the holes now. Mm, mm. So it doesn't look too bad. Yeah. And my problem is where this gets worse for me is we've now seen AMD launch their 6-gen APUs for laptops. And it's, in my opinion, embarrassing compared to Intel. Like, you can have Intel chips. Even if you compete the Intel chips now, they do beat the Apple chips now and they beat AMD chips, but the amount of power they use to yeah. beat them is just stupid. Which makes no and sense in a laptop. Well, that's not my problem. Is mm. That's why even if you go now and look, where is all the 12-chain laptops? They're all in these massive brick-sized laptops with high-end NVIDIA cards in them. Massive batteries. Which is all nice and well, desktop replacements and so forth. Yeah. But the thing juices, as soon as you get into like the 20 to 35 watt and below usage, they become, they, they just suck. Mm. You, the AMD ones beat them even, even though the single core performance AMD chip is weaker, it still beats it because it can, at that power usage, the AMD one is more efficient and can do more stuff within that power envelope than Intel can. So that already tells me there's a fundamental power issue with Intel's chip yeah. where it can't scale. So And what, then that's what, my problem now going to, sorry to interrupt you there, no, no. that's my problem now leading into the laptops is a lot of the other laptops stack is now you're going to see the consumer range. Mm. You're going to have AMD with eight cores and 16 threads going up against, what's it, four cores and four E cores. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's like this is a battle that they're going to lose badly with laptops in the 15 and 35 watt, which is the biggest markets. Mm. The gaming market isn't big. It's puny. Yeah, yeah. The consumer so, market is hundreds of million units that yeah. get shipped. And the, business, the is, business market, yeah. It's business to business. It's normal consumer. It's a laptop you can go walk into macro and buy yeah. and your ZenBook and your XPS and yeah. your NV. All those things are all 15 watt to 25 watt, maybe 35 watt units. Mm-hmm. They don't have the screen graphics. Those are the units that sell the most and are the most sought after because they're thin, light, 14 Cheap. inch, 13 mm. inch units. Mm. That type of units sell the most. And Intel in that market, what they have to get, uh, what they are fighting against with AMD is, in my opinion, looks terrible from mm. Intel. Because mm. Intel's 15 watt, even more deplorable. It's a two core, two P cores and four E cores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, what? what? How are you going to fight AMD with eight P cores? <laughs> it's literally the same performance you get with the high-end gaming laptops. Yeah, They, they can't win there. So, and that's how drastic they had to cut the actual chip to make it fit in a 15 watt power envelope. What do you think? still has eight cores. What do you think the Intel 14th generation uh, chips are going to have to look like if they're going to be competitive with AMD? They'll have to completely redo the whole architecture. How? Like like what AMD did. You have to redo everything. Like 99% of the core architecture, you have to, the i series and i core series needs to be killed Mm -hmm. because. Most of the chips that they're still doing are inherent chips that they have inherited all those chips. 
Right. You can you can trace twelve generations core architecture stuff straight all the way back mm-hmm. to twenty seventeen. So do you and think that's no, coming? No, do you think the, do you think we're at the end oh, of the yes. line for the core processor range? Yeah, no, no. We I think the core series as is now needs to end. We yeah. cannot Intel cannot use you cannot use the same architecture for more than fifteen years now. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just not realistic. Yeah, that's not. Uh, going from it starts 2007, so it's core architecture started 2007 all years. the way up to now. Mm. You can't. That's just you have to do what AMD did, and mm. that's why AMD is now winning a lot of their stuff. Is basically they redid the whole core architecture, stripped all the old stuff that you don't really need. Mm. We've I've already had rumors ages ago. This is now like three or four years ago that there were already pushes internally from Intel where they want to go and say. We want to start removing the old instruction sets mm-hmm. that people might still use, but no one, no modern day thing uses that anymore. Yeah, yeah. We want to strip all of those out because if we do strip that out, we can make our CPU like 10, 15% smaller. Just stripping all the stuff out that maybe 1% to 2% of the customer base uses. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what, else, that, what, what are some of those things? I mean, what, what, what impact would it have on backward compatibility? It's just super legacy programs. So programs that are very specifically written to certain languages that are from those eras. Okay. So it's very specific. Most modern day languages are on SEE 4.1 and 3.1, I think it's called, and AVX and AVX1, AVX2. We've got AVX 5.12 as well. So most of the modern day stuff we have now and so forth are all written in codes from SEE and I think it's SEEE or something like that. And then AVX, which is the more more popular one that a lot of people use are starting to use, AVX1, AVX2. Yeah. So that's the problem with mm. Intel trying to, because they haven't really spent a lot of money to re-engineer the wheel. That's what Intel needs to do. And they have. Mm-hmm. So they have done it. It's just, it takes a while for that to actually happen. Yeah. So ironically, one of the guys that actually helped Intel is, <clears throat> the guy that helped AMD with their Zen architecture. So mm-hmm. you can kind of see now you do need to, Intel needs to completely redo their architecture. And that's coming, but at the moment it is pretty, pretty disappointing because that now leads into the two philosophies we have now at yeah. the moment. Yeah. Is we've got Intel doing the, the cheap, the, the, P cores and E cores thing, and AMD saying, let's make our P cores basically E cores when then we need to. Mm-hmm. Which is better for die space because Intel now has running into a problem where you now need to make your core bigger and bigger and bigger because you have to have a lot of these small cores and then the big ones. Where AMD is trying to like say, okay, let's make our make the P cores as power efficient as possible. Yeah. So now you've got Intel going on all these weird methods and trying to evade the problem and not actually fixing the problem which is our core architecture is just too old mm. it's now buckling under the weight of all of the stuff how long has so, the zen architecture been around for now well zen is now being around since 2017 that was okay. now zen one right but amd is also now there's been iterative tweets, interrupts on it, and they've also changed a lot of it as well as they change. So right. Zen, th- 
comparing Zen, what we have now, Zen 3 architecture in the current 5000 series with Zen 1, there's massive differences between the two. Okay. You, you can see there's a, a lot of stuff that's been used, but I would say probably about, they're probably using about 70% and 30% of it is new. Mm. If I have to give it a figure quickly, <laughs> that's how big of a change is it. So AMD has been better to evolve the chip more aggressively, whereas Intel is trying to just use the same chip and trying to just make it better. And then you you need to somehow revolutionize in the chip itself. You cannot just use the same architecture and just add to it and try and make an improvement to it. Mm-hmm. You need to eventually just cut the, trim the fat and make it more e- efficient in that sense. So Pat Gelsinger has a lot on his place. Um, oh, yes. No, he has a lot on his place. Including a lot of cash. I don't know if you saw his, uh, his oh, payout yes. this no, week. No, no, of course. Well, everything is riding on this guy to know what he's doing. So yeah, if, yeah. Pat, if Pat messes this up, Intel is in huge problems. Yeah. I, I told you this is the big problem I have now. If mm. Pat needs to make sure this works. This is make or break. It doesn't. Mm. Then we can sit in a point where it's like AMD, like 10 years without Intel being here. Mm. They'll be there, but not competing on the high end or anything. And that's not that. that that's not good I for the industry. I don't think Intel, the problem is Intel's too expensive to run. Mm. They, they are over-reliant on making the money they do because owning fabs ain't cheap. Yeah. Owning the amount of people that they have and the employees that they have to pay, that's not cheap. And they're making so, big commitments on more fabs. Um, they're spending twenty yes. billion dollars, I think, in Europe alone on new fabrication plants. Yeah, um, that, that's that, that's serious commitment, uh, and that's yeah. um, a, a big bet on the future. And that uh, this uh, this guy and his team, the team around him, are going to get this right. Yeah, no, all that's what we hope for. Um, yeah. My side, I'm also hoping Intel. When in, Intel is, especially under Pat, if the right people are in positions, they can do amazing things yeah yeah they can yeah it's just the problem is they need to get rid of all the management people that are in their way let the engineers run the place easy money Mm. Uh, yeah it needs to go back to its roots yeah go to the guys that are eager to make faster and better chips they are eager they want to do better they want to make faster yeah again you can just look at amd Uh, amd's come out every year in the beginning of the year saying, okay, we'll make our chips 50%. Every time AIM, that's one thing I'll give AMD kudos with. They come out, they say, here's our targets. And every time they say, here's our target, they've hit it. Yeah. More accurately than both NVIDIA and Intel. Mm-hmm. I've, in, especially in the tech industry, it's now very rare for people to come out and say, here's our target, we're going to do it. And it's like, and the targets they're placing AMD is not small targets. It's, mm-hmm. 20, 30% increases on CPU architectures. That's 50% more performance on GPUs. So Intel has to now put foot mm-hmm. and not even try and let off. You, Intel has no chance to let off. If they let off once, they yeah. screwed for two, three years. Wow. So make or break time. Very, very, very interesting to see how this unfolds yeah, next year. It's very, it makes it for a very. Makes a very yes, for no, a very I exciting industry going forward. Fourteenth gen is going to be a real eye opener to see and see what has Pat and what have the high end engineers been able to. Because when are we likely to hear more on that? I this think year. we'll probably hear about more about that next year. Next I don't year, I think we'll hear okay. about that because thirteenth gen is only launching end of this year. 
Right. So I think at the moment their main focus is now to get get what they have and make it still good ish. Yeah. Does it make Does it make sense to be doing a new generation every year? I mean, it seems like it's almost Uh, like if you look at the Apple iPhone and and, and the Samsung Galaxy series, it's almost the the changes each year have become iterative. And I I almost wonder, does it make sense to do this every year? uh, The same applies in the chip industry. Should Intel be doing a new core process every 12 months? Well, well, the problem is this is is of their own making Mm -hmm. because they were – Intel, this is still leftovers from the TikTok cycle. Okay. Where they would take, innovate, all those things, talk, sweet, start improvement, tweaking, and then TikTok, TikTok, and that's how you go. Yeah. So, again, they now pretty much Intel's derailed that poor TikTok into its ground, so that doesn't really exist <laughs> anymore. You could say, you can kind of say AMD's probably done a better job at that TikTok cycle than Intel has done for the past four years. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of sad. So, the main point of those cycles is purely to make it easier for easier in one sense, and again you can say there's some profiteering on that because it makes it easier to go through cycles. So right. Intel will keep a socket basically or compatibility in that socket range for two okay. years. Okay. So you'll launch a chip, next year there's a new chip coming out, and then the year after that, basically in that cycle now, two year cycle then that platform ends. And then mm-hmm. you get the new socket which you'll require to buy a new chip and a new board and all those things. Mm-hmm. So again, you kind of force customers then to, when their board dies, in that f- if they have a first-gen board and their board then dies in like two years, they, they kind of have to then buy a new board and a chip. So then you can do double dipping. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nasty in one sense, mm-hmm. but you can see where it's like, well, of course, the motherboard vendors will say, go for it, because then they turn over with motherboards, so it's greater, which they're happy with. Intel's happy because they sell more CPUs then. Mm-hmm. So who loses that? You, the consumer. Mm-hmm. And again, they don't care about you as the consumer anymore. So that's where that comes from. That's why Intel started that all the way back when, is to make that the cycle. And then the other thing that they would do is the price wouldn't get cheaper. So mm-hmm. the old board, if you want to buy the old board Three years later, it's cost, going to cost you the same money, money, money by that board than the new board. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, again, but what's the incentive to buy the old board then if the new board's the same price? And then you see, there you go. Now you mm-hmm. have to buy a new chip again. Bazinga, we've got money. Forcing consumer behavior to, prop it, pop, to yes, benefit your bottom line. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're making, you're literally printing more money. I am shocked. Herod. I'm absolutely shocked. Uh, these capitalists, what will they do next? Well, it's, <laughs> it's genius on one side. I'll give them that. It's like you have pretty much, it's, it's up to governments and all those things to wipe that down. It's not Dave's fault. They're just looking and see what they can export and export. You can say it's bad manners to do that. By all means, you can criticize them as company. Again, this is Intel. It's not. It's not as if they, this is the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. So, again, Intel can can get away with this, and it's just oh, but we've always done this now. So, it's still. I would prefer them to do what AMD did, where it's try. My in my personal opinion, I would rather prefer to have a four year cycle. Yes. You make a motherboard, keep it for four years, and then the fifth year you change. Yeah. Yeah. If we can move to something that's maybe every three or four years, that's generally, I would say, probably the best way we can say, you guys are engineers. You should be able to know what you're doing for the next five years. 
Mm. Just make sure your motherboard and the socket will last for five years. Come on. It, it, it is difficult by all means, and it's going to cost you as a company more money. Yes. The, it's, the company is going to take a bullet there. Mm-hmm. But I'll rather do that because then it just makes the whole ecosystem a bit more flushed out. Yeah. And yeah. again, we can see it is possible because AMD did it. Mm-hmm. The guy that has less money than both NVIDIA and a- Intel, yeah. somehow they can do it, but the two guys that have a lot of money, okay, okay, we'll exclude NVIDIA there, but Intel has a lot more money. Why don't they do that? And you can see mm-hmm. the reason why they're so rich is because they know how to <clears throat> get every penny. Mm-hmm. To put it politely, I want to talk about ARM and Apple Silicon. Um, how much of a threat is this to Intel? And uh, should uh, Pat Gelsinger be losing sleep about this i would say in one period not that much because apple is the own apple apple is only a threat to other manufacturing in terms of or product people that make products like laptops and desktops and so forth mm-hmm. because apple intel will still sell their chips and sell them out because you still have HP and Dell and Lenovo and Asus and Acer, Gigabyte, all those guys buying Intel and AMD stuff. Right. So in terms of Intel's threat, in terms of money, it's not that big of a threat. You can say in terms of maybe in terms of image, there's probably more of an image damage than an actual financial damage there. Because again, Apple pro- Apple was very aggressive how they actually in terms of how they allocate and got stock from Intel. So mm-hmm. I would say at some point, it will probably more, AMD, uh, Intel probably made more money selling those chips to someone else than selling it to Apple. Because Apple was normally very dictatory with, we want the cheapest price. I'm sure, but they, I mean, I'm and sure they, they squeeze all of their supplies. I mean, Tim Cook is known as the supply chain king. Um, yes. And, and uh, it's one of the reasons Apple is so successful is because they know how to work the supply chain and put yeah. the so, pressure on the suppliers. Supply. So the problem is that becomes a, a bit of a, you need to play that tune very nice because if you don't make enough money, again, like uh, like you can piss off your, employ- your customer yeah. and then Intel just walks away. Because again, luckily, no other company has that advantage where they can just walk away from Intel. Mm. You can't see Gigabyte and Asus and some of the big guys walk away from Intel. That would be suicide. Yes. Instant suicide for them. So again, 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 it's Intel is in their own position of they are not a hardware company anymore. They are a software company. Uh, again, you will have to look at the figures, but I can, I've got a feeling if you look at the figures, majority of the money they're making comes from software. Not from hardware. Intel. So, no, Apple. Apple, I beg your pardon. Sorry, I've Apple, Apple, yeah. Apple is yeah. not a hardware company. Sure. You would think so because yeah. they make a lot of hardware and so forth and they make the iPhone and so forth, yeah. but their hardware is there to facilitate the sale of their software. Services. And the ecosystem of the software. Which brings you in a bit of a trouble because now, again, Apple, again, with having all that money, they intelligently knew the problem. If yep. they're going to alienate themselves from everyone, because at the moment the only real company that helps them with their design is TSMC. Mm-hmm. Apple also, AMD also helped Apple at some point with their stuff and so forth with GPUs and so forth. And again, there was a big. When we do an Apple thing, we can talk about the Apple and Nvidia debacle, which was phew, that that yeah that was an explosion of note. 
I don't know that bit of history, um, but yeah, let's save it oh, for no. episode six. It's, ve- it's a very interesting one, and one of those areas where when two arrogant people meet one another, there is <laughs> always going to be an explosion. There is no... <laughs> it's one of those areas. It's the same with Intel and Apple, basically what happened. Yeah. Is yeah. You had those two arrogant where Intel said, no, we will do this, and Apple, like, no, but you need to make more power efficient stuff, and the two heads just smashed against one another, and eventually... The one gave in and said, okay, goodbye. Mm-hmm. We'll make our own chips now because we can't rely on you for a bit. And then Apple went and did their own thing, which was great in one way, weak for Intel on the other hand, but that's where we are. We are. Mm-hmm. We all benefit from that because that does also give <coughs> Intel's biggest competitor in manufacturing more money because now Apple has to go to one company and buy everything yeah. from them. So kind of Intel's own fault there for basically not losing money, but basically giving money to their competitor to make it easier for the competitor to match them and beat them. Apple has done very well in taking the ARM design, ARM design and turning it into yeah. a powerful desktop and power-efficient oh, desktop oh, no, processor. They, they've evolved that thing massively. What, it still has the same fundamental fault, in my opinion, where yeah. it has the big, big light architecture where you've got yeah. the big cores doing the big things and then they go into idle. So... Again, that that's problems that they've inherited from ARM. Sure. So again, Apple needs to go, in my opinion, also in the coming years, especially with AMD now rapidly innovating their core architecture and so forth. In a couple of years, Intel, Apple needs to completely fundamentally change how ARM works, which is going to be very difficult for Apple. Apple doesn't have that expertise as of yet, from what I can see. They've done very well so far, and they've got a lot of money. But yes. Problem is, money doesn't always buy you proper talent. And the problem mm. is, most of their talent now, especially with ARM, most of it's bought by ARM. So they are yeah. reliant on ARM improving their architecture. Yeah. Too, yeah. as well. So they are over reliant on ARM doing it. So, and I didn't, haven't seen where I can see Apple spending a lot of money on ARM to get mm. ARM to be a bit better. Mm. I haven't seen that. And that's my biggest problem there. Again, that's now, and again, they're playing to. Arms advantages. We need to remember that as well. Intel has been, Apple's been very intelligent on in how it gets its software to optimize to make sure all the weak points of ARM get mm. removed or negated as best as possible. Because there is some hard ways you can break an Apple chip yeah. now, where it just completely falls apart with certain software. It's been interesting to see how Apple has taken the ARM designs though and, t- and turned them into these powerful machines. Is there a? Do you think there's a potential threat to to Intel from ARM down the line, where a company like Qualcomm, for example, which has done exceptionally well in in smartphone chips, manages to produce something similar to the M1 chips that Apple's produced that's that are sold onto the Dells and HPs of this world? I mean, is there a, is that is that a conceivable threat at some point? Very long term, maybe. Maybe okay. 10 years. Why is that? Nothing, in, not imminent. The problem is Qualcomm is not big enough and they're not rich enough to do okay. that. And they don't okay. have the IP to compete with AMD and Apple and right. Intel. The, the three big, you can say now, you would say that the three big chip manufacturers now. Although Intel's, Apple's not that big because Apple makes silicon just for their devices. Right. So AMD and Intel make way more chips than Apple does. Because Apple's very American and Europe mm. markets, and even in those markets, it's very small markets, actually. It's yeah. actually quite sh- shocking how small their markets are. Again, it is growing in America, but again, compared to how many 
Dell and HP and Lenovo laptops get sold, Dell and HP, even Dell on its own, sells more laptops than Apple will make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's one of those things where it's like it's difficult for Qualcomm then to also do go up against. They have to then work with Microsoft because now you have to completely redo the operating system again. Mm-hmm. Apple's Apple has advantage of we own our mm-hmm. own operating system, so right. it's easy for us to optimize that. Yeah, Qualcomm doesn't, so now they have to work with App Microsoft. Mm. Uh, but Microsoft has released one. Windows on ARM. I mean, you can you can get Windows 11 and Windows 10 for yes. ARM devices. Uh, it's not as good as Apple, though. No, that's my problem. It's mm. Windows. You you are fighting with an operating system that's not just integration. Microsoft has been in bed with the x86 architecture for decades. Yeah, it's difficult to change. If you want to yeah. take, you can't just take the operating system as is and just say we're going to port it over. Right. Again, you'll get that's what right, Apple's a software company. Mm. They had to work their asses off. Yeah. to get their version of Apple Mac soft or operating system. Wow, what is the new version even called? I can't even remember. Mac OS, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but to get that to work on an ARM chip and so mm. forth, on desktop. On, so a lot of those things, it's like, I presume they learned a lot from their mobile division. Yeah. So they oh, probably yeah. took a lot of that and migrated oh, yeah. that to that as well. I'm but sure. There's different, and that's the advantage, is because they have had that expertise and iteration time mm. working with their own operating system on ARM for so many decades now, it's easy for them to move away. Yeah. You can't do yeah. that from Qualcomm and MediaTek. They can't yeah. do that. They yeah. have, don't have the expertise in that operating system field. And again, that's also one area where I complain about Microsoft. Microsoft should have sooner started, even if it was crap, just start with something and build from it. Because yeah. now Microsoft is in a catch-up game. Which is, uh, it's going to take a while for Microsoft to catch up to Apple that's been doing this now. When did the first iPhone launch? 2007. 2007 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they've now had, I would say, a good 15 years of pro experience in making ARM work with their Apple yeah. OS. I think that integration Microsoft is absolutely pivotal. I mean, so that's, that, that's yeah. the main problem there. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're right. The, the, the software engineering teams at Apple are amazing. I mean, the software that isn't designed for for M1, that um, the software is written for for Intel, the Intel processors on these on 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 the old Macs, yeah, runs amazingly using uh, the Rosetta uh, software. Um, yeah. Now, as uh, as soon as it's done properly and so forth, yeah, it works. It does need a lot of work from the actual developer as well. They must have done incredible so, amount of work. Yeah. It's. I would say, again, to Apple's kudos, it's difficult, but not as difficult as most people think it is. It's mm-hmm. just it costs more money now because you have to get people to do it and so forth. All right. I've heard some complaints with it because um, I think our viewers can also watch it from uh, Francho Pornell. Um, we'll link his YouTube channel and so forth on there. He had a nice actual critique of Apple's silicon and mm. how, why it is good where it's good at. Yeah. Because Apple, again, you can say there's cheating on their side, but it's intelligent cheating mm-hmm. because they're playing to the advantage of current software where you'll start to see, and that's, I presume, where I think we'll see with AMD probably being their first. Intel will also push that hard as well in the next coming years. We will see a massive uptake in 
accelerators. Everything will become accelerated. Every chip will have many different accelerators on there and they all specifically do 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 one thing and one thing alone. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Yeah. So that's coming. I think the big the big tech that we're working from both AMD and Intel store, which they have spent stupid amount of money on as well. Yeah. We are gonna start seeing CPUs where they're gonna start taking over we could we we've seen hints of it with Intel's what sketch uh, what did they call it now? The scheduler and so forth. Thread directed. Mm-hmm. So at the moment the current implementation in my opinion is pretty dumb, but we will definitely see a a drastic evolution of that where the chip you just program, you take your code and you put it in, and the chip itself will know where to accelerate what and where to take what. You as the person that programs the code do not need to optimize. Mm-hmm. You just write your code, the chip does all the optimization for you. Because most like AMD and Intel have learned the software guys struggle deeply with optimizing their stuff for the chips. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming a bit more and more of a problem. Apple also has this problem. You can see that purely with Rosetta, getting getting them to program it for the chip again now, they've also have their own like advanced that's what Rosetta's doing, is it's literally taking a chip and then using basically how can I it's easy to describe accelerating tasks that were done on x86 and just accelerating it and then mm-hmm. you just need to now assemble your code in such a way where that accelerator understands the code and then you can say sweet we can quickly emulate it and then massively s- throw that onto our now new core architecture and that mm-hmm. thing will handle all the distribution and then put it back as it needs to be mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see massive advantages. I know there was there was a big company in, I think, uh, where was that now? I think, no, no, Ireland. Um, that and does Israel. what? Israel, Israel yeah. yes. Israel. Israel, there was a company there that pioneered tech where it could multitask anything. You can give it a single threaded application. It would take that single threaded application and it will multitask it for you. So even use a program it would program something for a single thread. That mm-hmm. application then on on the hardware level. So there's no actual software; it's the firmware that mm-hmm. decodes that single, basically, your coding for a single core, and it automatically multi-threads it for you. Mm-hmm. And it was stupid, um, stunning thing like a 30, 40, 50, 70 percent in performance improvements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no no using intervention required. The hardware does it for you. So Amazing. we'll see that becoming more and more prevalent as that comes. So I hope to see that. I, I, I was expecting that to come sooner, but I, I can see already there's a lot of problems and compatibility issues that they have. Mm-hmm. Again, when we do our Microsoft one, <clears throat> there's a smart reason why Microsoft went and said 8th gen and up only. Mm-hmm. Because there's a bigger cut coming as well. So bigger cut some coming. people it's like, oh yes, no, there's a bigger cut coming. There's we are getting to a point where we're gonna have to say goodbye old software, goodbye old hardware, no longer support it at all. Our wow. CPU fundamentally cannot run your old software. Mm. So mm. that's also coming. Which should have happened sooner, in my opinion. If you leave something too long like that, then you're going to have people complaining that it's always been like that. Why isn't? Why do you need to change? And it's like, we need to change because we want stuff to be 70% faster. Mm. 
and more security yeah, you can Microsoft. Get security plays also again. Yeah. Security is a big problem for both AMD and Intel with all the uh, what's it? Yeah, uh, the scheduler freaking issues that they had with Spectre meltdown and yes. all those iterations and so forth. And again, there's other uh, you can um, it does help Intel more saying eighth gen and up only because then all the old chips can say we don't have to bother about security anymore about them so goodbye good luck and hopefully you don't put your machine on the internet <laughs> that type of attitude <laughs> but I think there is a bigger just run DOS to happen yeah just go back to DOS yeah. you know we don't need this modern Windows internet stuff oh well DOS even had viruses so <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> if there is a way there is a way to do it yeah if yeah. there's a how or there's a way then you're gonna get screwed if you if your machine is connected to the internet yeah, make sure your antivirus is up to date and all the jazz because <laughs> someone's always out there to get you. Yeah, for some sure. Some Nigerian prince or some other dude, some rational Chinese guy there, Indian. We've seen some of those farms where they have freaking call centers and so forth. Ah, it's just disgusting, actually. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's get on to our last topic on, on Intel. And um, I'm quite interested to get your views on this because uh, – um, Intel has historically built these big fabrication plants for their own needs. Um, they've, um, you know, they've, it's made sense. They've made millions and millions of chips, and they need the, these big these big plants. They haven't gone the, the uh, AMD TSMC contract manufacturing approach at all historically. Along comes Pat Gelsinger, and uh, they're turning that on its head, and they're saying, "Well, actually, we're going to consider this now. We're going to actually start to make chips for other companies." How big of a pivot is this, and why is it significant? Well. For Intel, it's a bit of a big shift because normally everything is... The problem with internal designs is you can hide a lot of the stuff. Because the problem is with Intel, you work with Intel inside. Mm. Now, as soon as you're outside company, so this is, I think, the problems they're going to hit into. So let's first discuss why they do this. First of all, they're doing this because they need to pay these factories off. Right. And I think Intel knows in the short term it's going to be difficult for them to compete with AMD. So if they build all of these factories, they're going to have excess manufacturing capability. Mm -hmm. And a fab not in use is a very expensive elephant. Mm -hmm. And that, you don't, you can't afford that. Intel mm -hmm. doesn't have, long term doesn't have the money for that. So they have to open it kind of up now. Now that they have all those fabrications and they're making all these plants open, when they're all open, you still have the ones that you're currently operating. Mm -hmm. So, I presume it's more of a, because we're now scaling so high with manufacturing, we need to make sure that if we can't maximally utilize all of these fabs, we can at least mm -hmm. then start selling it out and saying, mm -hmm. sweet, other companies can come in, make their own designs, we'll fab it for you, and then sell it to you. Problem is that's very easy to say. That's one of the areas where a lot of people don't understand TSMC's biggest advantages there is their whole method of how easy they've made it, where you can come to them, you buy your package with them, they have engineers there that help you out and you help them. Mm. So there's a very cooperative thing. Mm. Intel isn't used to that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take some of a, a bit of culture shifting out and some butter in some areas, because I think a lot of the engineers are also not going to be used to that. Where They were usually used to, here's our chip, use how we do it, there you go, done. If you're not making chips for someone else, you need to deal with their special needs. Mm. And 
Now, my problem is with now NVIDIA saying, oh, we can make just... I'm like, oh, my word, that is now... You are falling into a big trap there. It's a nice company because they make you money. But you're going to hate working with them because everyone else has with NVIDIA. Because NVIDIA is very quick to turn around and say, oh, no, it's the manufacturer's fault. Yeah. Very quick. They played Samsung. They blame TSMC. As soon as something goes wrong, you get blamed. It's not them. Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong. It's you. Mm. So uh, that's why I'm like, it was very arrogant, very quick from freaking NVIDIA to say, oh, no, we're going to go to Intel. And it's like, I'm like, oof, okay. Like, geez, uh, not the first company I would take. I would rather take someone like IBM or something mm. like that. And that also tells you that most of those other companies are also too afraid to go to Intel yet. Because again, what record does, if you now would go, who's the, would you really now go to Intel and say, I want to manufacture with Intel, knowing that Intel can't even struggles to manufacture their own stuff at the equality? What's the incentive of you now going to them? They can't even get their own stuff done. If no one else has capacity. If no one else has (laughs) capacity, I suppose. Now now you can say it's a capacity problem. But the problem is those factories are still only getting built. So it's going to take them still at least four or five years before those factories are online. And yeah. trust me, in four or five years, a lot of things can change. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, TSMC is so, building more fabs too, so it's not like yeah, anyone's slowing down. Future. So yeah. I, I think for our viewers for now, yes, it is a, it's a good thing, but I think let's give it another three years and then we'll evaluate it and see what would happen and all that mm. jazz because now it's a bit too soon yet to say, oh, what can it do and so forth because... At the moment, if you look at their track rocket, they, they're not good at manufacturing. They've ne- yeah. not met their targets. The yield quality is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oof, if you're another company, no one is interested. And the fact that NVIDIA's the first company to say, oh, no, we'll go to him. Like, dudes, do you not know the problems they've had? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. Maybe in five years, maybe it's fixed then. Cool. Yeah. But. It's a bit too soon now to say, yes, mm-hmm. Intel's going to make... Why did NVIDIA rush out to say that? I have no idea. Honestly, that it's a very puzzling thing where it's like, I don't know if it's just something where it's like, oh, no, we're trying media hype or something like that because... Were well, they trying to stick it to one of their competitors uh, in some probably. way? They're probably trying to stick it to TSMC. AMD. And, uh, no, I, I no. think it's straight to TSMC and saying, oh, okay. we can go to Intel. Right. Make sure your pricing is cheaper. Right. Negotiating uh, tactic. And I think I, presu- I presume they just went and said, <coughs> because you, you, cannot, you cannot fight against TSMC. We've seen that because Intel's paying through their stupidness to get mm-hmm. to TSMC now. Multiple mm-hmm. billions. <laughs> and I can tell you, I would not be... St- I would not be surprised if 10 to maybe 50 million of that is just, yes, you remember those days when we made 16 nanometer and 22 nanometer days. You came and publicly bashed our company saying how (laughs) we are. Now you're going to pay. I would not be surprised because they also know that. And they can be because where else are you going to go for the latest, highest end manufacturing capability? You're not going to go to Samsung. You're not going to go to IBM because IBM sold all of their manufacturing off to global foundries. Mm. So what you're going to go to Intel? Good luck with that one. Yeah, <laughs> Sam- Samsung. Years. Samsung is the is the dark horse always, uh, but they seem to be having a lot of trouble actually at the moment. Yes, no, they do have a. That's Samsung. Samsung has the potential. I think it's just 
management there needs a bit of a slap because that's, I think, where their main problem is. Their management is just not done because they have potential. Yeah. I think they should, my personal opinion, they should get more IBM engineers, especially the old school guys that are good at right. that level, chemical engineering and atomic research and all that type of jazz. They need more field experts in those areas because Samsung has a, the main problem with Samsung there with manufacturing is their manufacturing is mainly used to make phones and portable devices yeah. and toasters and microwaves and ovens and simple things. Mm. So th there's no need to get a seven nanometer manufacturing node for your microwave or your oven no. or your car. Mm. There is no motivation for it. So that's the problem. So, but they're know, quite big got, in memory chips. I mean, they make a lot of memory chips. Yes, I think that's their that's, bread and butter. They are massive with memory. Even with chip manufacturing, they're massive because mm. Mm, anything that's a Samsung Electronics yeah. has a Samsung chip that has a Samsung controller in there that's yeah. designed and manufactured by Samsung. So they ship I, not very complicated chips, though, but they ship a heck of a lot of tons of those. Yeah. So they, their manufacturing capability in terms of making cheap stuff is stupid. So that's the main problem. I think in their management, there's a lot of their management goes there. Why should we spend all of this high-end money and all this stuff for like 10% of the things that we make? Mm. Our 90% of our business is in the cheap stuff where we make decent money, we pay the bills, all those type of things, we're happy. So you see, you're dealing with that management phase where they're like, oh, they want to do the effort. And that's, mm. I think, Samsung's biggest problem. So they don't have that passion to go for it. Whereas TSMC, you can see even when old man, when, what was his name? He retired. He was stupidly passionate about making great stuff, making chips better, making them fast and all this jazz. Even though it's a small market of this, I think it's the high-end market is only like 30% of their market cap yeah. in terms of yeah. how much they make profit from. But they're still passionate about it and they go for it. And you can see the enthusiasm. Even in a guy that's like 86 years old. I think mm -hmm. it's his age or something like that. He's old. The CEO that just now stepped down, I think this year or last year he stepped down. Um, I, don't, don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. but you can the see. The founder, he founded it. He, exactly. He, yeah. You can see the passion for making yeah. chips. Making and chips, that, yeah. that passion, in Samsung needs that passion to make high-tech chips. This is uh, Samsung's uh, fabrication plant or plants in Seoul, South Korea. Um, yeah. Just look at the size of those things compared to those massive apartment oh, blocks no, that you can see in the foreground. It, it's it's stupid, dude. Uh, it's like the amount of money you need just to make one of those factories would bankrupt most companies. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. how big it costs to make. And then it's like then you just built the factory. Then mm -hmm. you still need to pay for all the water and the electricity and all the people that work there and all the insurance and their life insurance and all those things that will cost you even even more stupid money. So I tell yeah. you, that's why these fabs are so expensive. It's just not just the the building itself is a finicky bastard because it's massive clean rooms that you need to build that need to be maintained and they also fickle bastards. Then scale the machining, is amazing. Absolutely The amazing machining scale. inside that you need to have for all those little wafer carrier transit things that to rail and go through and get manufactured because you've got your boxes with your wafers in them. I know there's some good videos from Global Foundries where they actually yeah. go into a factory where you, you can see how they actually make the stuff kind of. You can see how they actually, here's the wafer going from its actual transport box into the lithography machine, gets burnt, goes back into the machine, get packs up, goes into the next place, gets cut into little 
pieces mm-hmm. and all that jazz and how they get picked and when they go into the actual freaking um it's a, a picker that actually picks them into like it's a big rail um machine like this like a film type of thing that they yeah. put them into and then they, from there they can put them on test them and so forth so yeah. the amount of labor and in uv protection so it's like even building the factory just building mm. the building is a massive achievement then mm. the stuff that goes inside is even more of an achievement in terms of logistics in terms of how where's the machines how you put the machines in where are they where are the engineers all that but you have so this really is one of the most complex highly capital intensive businesses there there is if not yeah. the most i mean it's unbelievable the complexity yeah, in this, you, but also the spend, amount of money that you have to spend to, yeah which is good. I thought people spending money is always good. Right. Everybody wins when people spend spend money. And the more mm. money they spend, the more they benefit. Because the more you spend, yeah. the more tax the governments get. And then government yeah. gets more money. So that then goes for other things. They need the demand for high-trained high, high, high people. So in terms of yeah. universities and all those things. Again, that's when you... I thought people was like... When we talk just in terms of where the actual fabbing machines are a bit on short supply due to them all coming from ASML. The other shortage is just people. Mm-hmm. Like even mm-hmm. TSMC that's making our factories in America and so forth, they are shipping their own people yeah. to into America yeah. to help them out and then for them to, to train people to work with those factories. Mm-hmm. So there's all, even they admit it, there is a shortage. We need more chemical engineers. We, there isn't enough at the moment. So I thought it was like, so that's, and that would now motivate, especially in America. Now, if they do have those more of those factories in America to have more people in those fields coming into those fields. Mm. So it's a good thing when big companies spend big money, if in the right places, because in this field, you have to, again, if you, you have to build a factory, so you need to buy land, which again, governments make money from, then you have to build a factory. So all the building expertise guys, they need engineers. They need people. You need builders. You need all the machinery to move all of that stuff. That needs your own people and stuff that need to be built. So it's that whole field there just to build the factory employs so many people and push so much money into other industries. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot better than I prefer these type of fields and spending money instead of digital. Digital is a very high profit to single singular company. Mm-hmm. The only people that really profit from it is the people that provide the internet, people that provide your UU bandwidth, and the people that provide your hardware to use the device. That's it. You don't really see massive scale of people getting employed in that area. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of what it takes to build a factory. Yeah. And the money. Yeah. That's why it costs you multiple billions to make a factory. Yeah. It which makes it all the, all the more amazing that you can buy one of these little chips, which is the most advanced thing human beings have ever created, um, for a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> like I thought it was like that's the magic in it. It's yeah. like here's this little chip there, and that little chip. Yeah. If you go into it hardcore and so forth, that little chip is so advanced that that chip can guess what you're going to do before you're going to do it. <laughs> And that's what this podcast is all about. But I've got one final uh, question for you before we uh, – let me just put this on the screen. Before we call, uh, call, call, call it wraps on this uh, Intel double special, this man, Mr. Pat Gelsinger, is the man in the hot seat. Um, he's been there for a, about a year or so. Um, Gerard, uh, given his track record so far, and I know it's early days, uh, but given his track record so far and what you know about the man, 
and his history. Um, what chances do you would you give him of turning the good ship Intel around? I would say pretty good. He he's competent enough. He's enthusiast. So I would say, out of everyone they had to choose from, from what I've yeah. seen that they had to choose, he was probably the best pick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out of the because they didn't have a lot of people to pick from, because right. a lot of people were left and so forth. Yeah. Like, unless you could get some of the old guys from retirement, but a lot of them are like, uh, this is a stressful job already. Yeah. Now having to sh- fix the ship and then recover the ship and then improve the ship, it, pwah, that's a big ask. It's a big that's job. Like, no. it, it's like basically going back to where Lisa Sue was when mm-hmm. she were handed the CEO. AMDC, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ship mm. is now at least, it, it it's floatable. It's floating. Now you yeah. need to make sure it freaking goes like stonk. Mm. And she did it. Mm-hmm. So credit to her. But mm-hmm. now he needs to kind of emulate that type of thing for Intel. Yeah. So, and I think he has. He has, he hasn't, they've employed the right people. They have, I would say, if they could have hold on to some of the other old guys, it would have been nicer. But I think a lot of them just said they over. But Intel has a good chance. I'm really looking forward. We'll see with 14th Gen. 14th Gen is the thing where I'm going to start critiquing Pat. Mm. Now he's just mm. freaking steering the ship that he was given. Mm. So he now 14th, still needs to make the yeah he he still needs to make the ship cr- his his ship. Yeah. Now 14th Gen still, will tell us a lot. Now 14th Gen is when we're going to start really critiquing Intel, saying where are they going? Yeah. How far are they going? Hopefully their philosophy and chip design has changed. Is I don't see any. I don't see the current philosophy really taking off. Mm. It's. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion uh, as much as I have. It's always fascinating chatting to you, Gerard, and uh, getting insights into the semiconductor industry and everything else that's happening in the world of PCs. Um, We'd love to hear your feedback. I I promised last Mm. week that I'd I'd, uh, I'd, uh, create an email address for uh, for this show, but I still haven't done that, so you can just mail us our individual addresses. Uh, If you think we're talking absolute crap, tell us us that. We don't mind. Um, If you've got any positive feedback, we'd love to hear that as well. Yes. No, I admit I can always – I can be wrong. It happens. If we, can, um, we can we can make a special episode where we can fix our corrections and all that. Type of we'll, jazz. we'll do a, do a corrections episode at the end of uh, at the end of uh, a couple of seasons of this. Um, but we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, we haven't put any of the shows out yet. This is the fourth one in the bag, but we're going to have to publish these soon. The videographer's busy with the edits, and uh, I look forward to seeing the, the the fruits of that labor. And uh, can't wait for this to get out in front of. The audiences, because I think it's I think the show is going to going to get some good traction. Uh, but uh, if you do want to um, drop us a mail, Gerard P. That's G E R H A R D P for Pretorius at Computers Only, which is where he works. Co. Za, or you can mail me or and mail me, I should say, at Duncan at Tech Central. And let us know your thoughts. If you want to subscribe to the show, uh, we will be making it available. It will be available by the time you hear this on YouTube and on most. Uh, of the uh, podcatching uh, application, whatever, whichever podcatcher you happen to use, with Spotify or Apple Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or uh, Pocket Casts or any of the others that are out there. Insert uh, just, yeah. just, <laughs> just search for everything PC two words in uh, your favorite podcatcher, and I'm sure it will come up. But uh, next time we're going to be talking about what did you call them last time? The big green goblin. Goblin. The goblins. <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to be talking about. 
we're going to be talking about NVIDIA. Um, and uh, I do get the impression uh, from these first four episodes that you're not the biggest fan of the company. You know, so I'm very critical of them. I'm looking they, forward to you. Yeah. Looking forward no, to your, also, your take on them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a they, good one. I, I was actually looking at their their new uh, RTX 3090 Ti graphics card, which they announced recently, and I saw some online pricing this morning. And I saw someone retailing it for sixty two thousand rand, and I thought, "Good grief, who's been to yes, buy that?" Yes, no. As, well, I, uh, we were under NDA and everything for that because we got pricing in Jan already for those things. Oh, did you? And they were okay. like seventy eight thousand rand then in Jan, and then oh, the oh, delays wait. happened and blah blah blah. And now they're coming out, and it's like, yeah, they're out, but mm, yeah. they're not out in South Africa. And I think. It was stupid, man. It's like we were getting like five units for the whole country. I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to buy That's this thing. If the generation uh, well, four thousand series is coming, Duncan, you'll be surprised. <laughs> have you have There's you sold one? Really? Have you well, sold one yet? <laughs> I've had customers that were interested. Okay. And then they bought thirty nineties from me, not okay. the TIs though. So we'll yeah. I'll see when we actually get them and see what the price will be when they actually land in the country. Because yeah. I thought it was like sometimes you get told these pricing from people and it's like, oh, we're going to bring it from own brands. Again, I can't blame them. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the rand dollar will be, shipping costs, all the jazz. So normally I tell people, give a roundabout figure and then we'll work with that. But hell, it's just one hot card and one powerful card. <laughs> one expensive card. Uh, it's uh, 60, 61,995 Rand, I think, was the retail price I saw this morning yeah, for the 3890. And it's not even that, it's not it's not even much faster than the 3090, which is what no. 20 grand less. No. So yes, this is <laughs> this is purely for those one percent old people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But we're going to unpack Nvidia yeah. in all its uh, glory next week. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the history of the company, but I'm probably focusing yes. more on. Uh, It'll probably be a one-episode uh, show in video, um, but uh, just looking at um, the company's origins and um, how it's expanded out of its out of its um, origins as a graphics card company and doing some other stuff and um, and giving Intel and other companies a, a run for their money in some in some respects. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. But until then, from Herat and myself, Duncan. Until next time, happy computing.